0: Hey, this is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. It's good to see you again. Yeah, we're back uh, after a uh, week off, which we'll uh, talk about in a little bit here. But uh, it was good to see you in person as well
1: it's great great to see you in person too you were in vegas a couple of days uh hello to our listeners i'm matt this is eric we've been doing this now for uh, let's see 105 episodes but our friendship goes back much further than that for anyone uh new just jumping on board now uh eric's a mentalist out of new york I'm a magician out here in Vegas and we get together once a week to hash out whatever's
0: going on. I love that we are off for one week and you do a full recap of our whole relationship as if people forgot us. I forgot.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <So let's, laughs> and I wasn't sure that you remembered, so let's get into why what happened last week, Matt. Should we talk well, a little well bit? Well, I think yeah. you you if
1: yeah. I have this right. Yeah.
0: Well, oh, you mean why we were off last week. I I was under the weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were under the weather and we were set to record. We had limited time to record and you just, you weren't uh, uh, well enough to even hop on a mic.
1: No, you know, because I I still had to perform. I had lost my voice. Mm -hmm. It it wasn't a COVID situation. Right. So, you know, and and we've been over this for years since, before COVID was a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole story was the show must go on always.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Then, you know, COVID happened, so it became understandable that things had to cancel. The world shut down for various reasons, Um, but still in a non-COVID situation where it's a a safe situation to go out there and do it, it's just difficult to go out there and do it. Yeah. Um, You know, I had to be able to speak for 90 minutes a night, Right. Um, and I was basically resting uh, and in bed for the rest of that time, you know, which is difficult to do, but um, I'm glad I did it, you know, I'm feeling better now and I'm glad I was still able to not let fans down and be able to perform the shows
0: absolutely so I hope you enjoyed the rebroadcast we did last week we're we're kind of out of bank episodes so we'll we'll try and make it up for you with a bonus episode at some point because I feel like we have a lot to talk about we do Uh, you know so uh, who knows maybe there'll be another one at some point down the line to catch everything up uh, maybe we'll have a bonus guest, but uh, we appreciate you for sticking through. And uh, as we as we still figure things out, we're still figuring things out. It's been 105 episodes. Was, uh, just just edit out any
1: time you're talking about we're figuring things out.
0: No, I mean th- then we'd have no podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have one (laughs) no
1: and it's great because we did get to i did get to see you for a little while you actually came out you'd like on a whim came to vegas again yes right i'm starting to think you live here and just aren't telling me (laughs) that's quite the commute though um but you
0: you actually just well
1: speaking of commute you flew out just to like come hang out and see a couple of shows right
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two weeks, man. We have so much. But yeah, this was the most recent. So, uh, um, well, let's go backwards in time. (laughs) I'll go in any order you want. I just was uh,
1: I I mean, I love that you did that. I I do stuff like that, too. So So I thought that was really awesome.
0: Just to see. I had two days off. This is a super busy month for me. And Mm -hmm. I have like two days off. I had two days off this past week and I have two days off coming up and I filled them with I'm going to travel to see some shows and mm-hmm. uh, probably not the smartest on my, you know, body and psyche and tiredness that I'm, you know, uh, piling up on my end. But uh, it was worth it to see. So uh, I, I went out because it was the last night. Uh, Car- Michael Carbonaro, who has been filling in for Penn and Teller in the Penn and Teller Theater, it was his last night. There, so I was like, "Well, it lines up with my schedule. Let me fly out and see it." And, and total coincidence that yeah. it was the same night that
1: you that were, I, uh, you were going too.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. I know, and it ended up being like a who's who of magic in the audience too, because was, it was a final night. Because it was the final night. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I definitely exactly. surprised the people because a lot of people were like there and expecting to be there, and then they're like, "What, Diddleman? What are you doing here? <laughs> you you right, live in New right. York City?" <laughs> yeah
1: uh what do you and think we of were hanging show? out afterwards yeah and was that your first time meeting michael or you guys knew each other already
0: it was my first time meeting okay michael. yeah gotcha. so he is gotcha. super nice and he he you know obviously we kind of knew of each other pro- but never actually physically met so
1: well you had never seen his show right like I'd got, i I'd never seen, seen live it show. live no
0: gotcha no. gotcha no.
1: i had seen one one other live show previously uh so this was my second one had a lot of new stuff in it this time around too which was great yeah Uh, what did you think
0: yeah it was a fun show
1: yeah it was my first time seeing any show in quite some time um that's a, a a fairly large theater and you know to be able to like take um your road show and plug it in and make it work there is really a testament to his charisma and ability to perform um what was your favorite part of the show i have a favorite that like so far, anyone I've talked to is, like, surprised by, but I had a very distinct favorite part of the show. Well, Now, granted, I'm a little bit, like, biased because, like, certain things I had seen before, so, like, I might not call those a favorite because they weren't new to me. But anyway.
0: Right. Yeah, the um, my favorite is his ending because it's so yeah. unique and creative. And uh, okay. for those of you who gotcha. don't know, he does an act call, uh, that he just calls it the shaving cream thing. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and it's something he's worked on since college and, you know, was studying abroad and, you know, did art weird experimental theater, which, you know, I love. So, yeah, uh, yeah. He he basically is creating characters out of shaving cream uh, and he's just putting it all over his body and making weird faces and characters. And it's just it's not magic per se, but it's magical and uh Mm -hmm. no one else is doing anything like that and it's just i love seeing something brand new and unique uh i'm sure i think there's probably clips of it i think he did it on some late night shows
1: i think he has done it um on television at least in some countries that can be found online um and i don't believe it's too much of a spoiler because i don't think he's doing it on this tour he was doing it just in vegas Mm. um but he's not actually closing with it on the road from oh i
0: I didn't know that right he
1: used to and but for this particular run um You know, he's changed that.
0: Well, even better that I went out to Vegas to see it then. That was an exclusive. That That was was a Vegas exclusive. exclusive. Fantastic. So Um, what is your favorite part? I'm curious.
1: (laughs) Well, my favorite part, for whatever reason, I'll explain the reason actually, was like one of the more simple parts of the entire show. um, It was, I I, I don't want to give too much spoiler here, I guess, but basically it was like the trick was essentially pick a card. Here it is. Right but the way it was dressed up was amazing. I will describe <laughs> the aesthetic because it's right. part of what I loved about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, It was performed in the audience. I already love it. Mm-hmm. There were two people standing up in the audience. It was performed along the long aisle and there was like a Band-Aid stuck to a girl's head with a string attached to the Band-Aid that stretched all the way down maybe 30 feet, I'm not sure, 20 feet down the aisle to another person's head and this guy had a Band-Aid uh, so basically, there was a, a long string yeah. attaching these two people together by their foreheads, and the string was stuck to their foreheads by band-aids. Yes?
0: Yeah, we don't have to get the exact length. This is our podcast. We already know <laughs> estimating is not. I should just let that? you estimate it. <laughs> yeah, then. yeah. But it, it's 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 a way to connect two minds, and it was just a simple. It's almost like having two cans on a string, except he's just yes. attached it to people's foreheads.
1: So, like, there was so much comedy that like is inherent mm-hmm. in that setup already. But it was visually very cool. Yeah, and the use of cameras there was perfect because they had one hitting the face of each participant. Each participant had a handheld mm-hmm. and the idea was she picked a card and had to like transmit it to the guy. The guy had to figure out what, what the card was. And I actually thought the reveal was quite clever.
0: Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The reveal, should we get into it? Should we, that's what it? I wondered whether or not we could <laughs> say like, just
1: because like for spoil. I guess if we do a spoiler alert, we could do it.
0: All right. Spoiler alert. Okay. So fast forward if you don't want to know how the trick ends.
1: Yeah, just hit the little 30-second button or 15-second button, whatever it is. Now, now we have to do it in 30 seconds. <laughs> do, hit it Hit it four times at least. Go ahead. Uh,
0: but then uh, – so at the start of the show, he has an announcement that comes up that tells people to um, – you know, turn off their cell phones. And it seems like it's a mistake because it should be before the show. And it kind of interrupts him as he's talking so that we're like, that's weird, but we all notice it. And then that announcement comes back in the middle of this routine with the thought process, you know, thought transmission. And in the announcement is the name of the card this time. Right. So it's impossible for anyone to know because they're keeping the card hidden. So it's a nice reveal that somehow the, Quote voice of God above knew the card.
1: Now, how did you feel about that reveal? And I will say now, because I did talk to other magicians. Of course, everyone has an opinion, mm-hmm. and and they disagreed with me. They felt like, oh, that that wasn't enough.
0: Uh, I just found it weird that it was so disconnected to the presentation. I mean, you okay. think that it was somehow going to tie into the string, uh, which is you know all just for fun and comedy. So, yeah, you said you liked that reveal.
1: explain well, I did I thought the reveal was clever um and uh I just liked the visual like that was something that um I could have seen I, this is gonna this might sound weird i so i could i definitely like i could have any any college performer could get a lot of mileage out of something like that because mm-hmm. it's so packed small, play big right. But also, I thought it was strong enough that, like, it is something that you would have seen, like, when David Copperfield would do, like, a departure. This was back in, like, the 90s, and he would do, like, a lot of big illusion pieces and then separate them out with, like, a small piece of of either close-up magic or comedy magic. I thought it very much, like, almost fit in that realm, even though it was, like, a little more goofy and fit Michael's Hmm. personality. Um, it reminded me of like one of those things David would do back in the day for some reason. I yeah, don't know why.
0: There's definitely like a surreal element to it. Um, but yeah, to your point of just going out to the audience, that's such a great way to make something small play big because now you're suddenly using the full house as well. Yeah. And you're using distance as, you know, something playing big hmm.
1: And you saw. Uh, well, uh, just forgive me if I'm jumping ahead too no, fast here. Good. We can always go back too. Um, you saw another show the next night, which I haven't seen yet.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fantastic show. Uh, and that is Mad Apple, uh, which is the brand new Cirque show at the New York, New York. Uh, and it's different than all the other Cirque shows I've seen. Uh, it's kind of more in the realm of almost like the Spiegel World shows, like Absinthe Opium. And it feels like it's the Cirque version of that. Uh, but but I it's have cleaner, a, right? Not really. It's kind of dirty. But it's got to be cleaner, cleaner than Absinthe. Well, Absinthe is interesting because, uh, they're going for a lot of shock humor, but this is uh, a Cirque du Soleil show that actually has talking acts in it, uh, featured, and they actually have real comedians doing their acts. And I am, uh, one of my closest friends is, uh, has been hired for, you know, the long term, uh, Mr. Harrison Greenbaum is in the show. Uh, so I went to support him and see him and, uh. It is fantastic. It is such a fun variety show. Uh, you've got the circ elements in it with these, you mm-hmm. know, amazing acrobats and aerial acts. There's an act that is um, an aerial act, and she's um, attached by her hair. And yeah, I read getting, about yeah, that. She's just getting floating around as well. But you get three comedians in the show, at least for the short time. I know they're kind of rotating. Uh, you know, I think one's leaving soon. Uh, another friend that's pretty stand up driven, though. That's yeah, cool. it is. I mean, they have a host that's announcing things, then you get Brad Williams, then you have Harrison Greenbaum, uh, and Harrison just crushed it. He was doing a lot of crowd work and he's just having fun with the audience. And he he's does so a, good. He does a magic trick at the end, uh, which, you know, gets a standing ovation. And then I got to see my other friend who's been, you know, on my roster for some other agencies. Uh, He's a freestyle rapper, Chris Turner, and he Mm -hmm. just takes suggestions for the audience and he incorporates them all in a rap, which is really cool to see in a variety show because you don't see that kind of act often. So uh, but I I don't know if he's going to be in the show much longer. I think he has other commitments that he's doing. uh, So I was glad to catch him as well. Yep. And uh, and there's a pre-show magic show, Matt. Is it like walk around sh- magic or something? There's right? a hidden, small, intimate magic show that's in a oh. secret room beforehand. Oh. Did and you see it? I did see it. I think it's mm-hmm. part of certain ticket prices, uh, which I don't know if I had, but I, I was able to sneak in just through my connections. And it's I a, knew you'd weasel in. I know, I know. It's great though. It's <laughs> really, really fun. Uh, really short show, uh, but it's it it hits hard. You know, he does a quick prediction thing. And then, uh, kind of a—I don't. I mean, I don't want to spoil. Uh, this Do not you know the performer's spoil, name or no? His name is TJ, uh, okay. and he's you know from the New York area. We'll say n- Greater New York area, which includes Connecticut. So, <laughs> but I—I uh, I didn't know him beforehand, even though he's kind of local. But he—he he fits that New York vibe, and he's kind of kind of got that you know street aesthetic that they're going for. Uh, I for, knew someone who York. auditioned for that role. You know, dude. There you go. Yeah,
1: and they said. Uh, I said, how'd it go? And he told me that uh, he had them pick a card and he got the wrong one. He
0: said, so I don't think I'm going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, All that's right. A, that's
0: a clear side. <laughs> uh, but uh, they have, I don't know, I had like a, a fancy drink and it came in a glass flask and it's just a fun show. What I liked is the band is up in the rafters the whole time. And you can see them like on this balcony and they're jamming. Mm-hmm. But they come down onto the stage and they're untethered it reminded me a little bit of uh, american utopia the david Byrne show where it's kind of mm-hmm. like this marching band feel to it so like right. they're could come out into the audience with their drums and trombones and trumpets and everything and it's just it's a raucous time it's it's fantastic and not to mention too there's a bar on stage pre-show and you could go and get drinks on the stage and then this thing from above lowers and covers the bar and now it's this catwalk. So it's there's a lot of production in this show. And it might be one of my favorite Cirque shows. To yeah. Cirque standards, there's like no production though. Right, right. right. They don't have the, you know, they do have a moving stage element, but it's not like a, you know, like Ka has that stage that moves in every direction possible or imaginable, or O with the three layered stage with water and all that stuff. But uh, it's
1: an interesting departure for Cirque because they don't mm -hmm. normally put their name on. They have other productions uh, under different names, right? They have like Works Entertainment and other things that produce shows at, at smaller budgets, but this is the first time they've done which is relatively for them a smaller budget show that they've put their name on right yeah that i know of in the recent past so
0: but it it feels like yeah there's there's enough of a budget to make it play bigger than you know like sure like maybe like a spiegel world Absence. many other yeah yeah, many other variety shows which are smaller yeah which are kind of limited by their venue in a way yeah
1: exactly exactly now, that the, I want to go just to see Harrison in it. Um mm-hmm. th- that that would be my my motivation right off the bat. So funny. Um But is it must be so cool. I mean, you went the night before to see Carbonaro. You you saw Harrison in that. You've obviously been to my show a bunch of times and so many Vegas shows you've seen. You saw Farrell Dillon, who I got to hang out with last night. He was at my show with his family and mm-hmm. I I Farrell's mm-hmm. a, a a great dude. Um I was talking to Joel Ward sure uh, magicians listening this uh many of you know joel ward i i saw joel ward um for the first time when i was growing up he was on the lance burton teen magician showcase young magician showcase and he got selected to be on that on tv on you know nbc or whatever it was so i've known him since i was pretty young just from television and he was helping michael carbonara on his show and i'm Mm -hmm. talking to to joel afterwards and we were talking about, and he did Band of Magicians too, which right. was here in Vegas for a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm talking to him after the show uh, at the Rio about how like Vegas is like eventually changing. You know, it's 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 You know, it's it's evolving. You know, with younger the younger generation coming in and performing in these shows and having their own shows and so on. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like shocked me with like a realization he's like no Matt it's not changing like it's it's not going to change it's happening literally right now
0: Mm, yeah
1: which is really crazy to me like like kids are coming to Vegas now and seeing these shows coming to my show seeing Michael Carbonaro at the Penn and Teller room like the it's when I and then when we were kids we'd come see the Lance Burton and whoever else and like it's really surreal for me to see like yeah, not only has it changed with the uh, the new generation coming in, but also like the nature of the shows are a sign of the time too.
0: Right. It's not. Yeah. It's
1: not just an imitation of Siegfried and Roy anymore.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah, like you're in the moment now, and I think. About but we this- don't realize it. Yeah, I think about this too just with the magic boom uh, that like we are in this magic renaissance right now with all these magic theaters popping up all over the country. Absolutely. Uh, that, that was going to be my yeah. next example. And uh, you know, this show Speakeasy Magic that I do is is so like i i was mentioning to some of the magicians backstage i was like i feel like this is one of those shows we're gonna be talking about when we're older as like you had to be there in the moment like yeah it's
1: gonna be published about in the books and Mm -hmm. you know it's well books who knows i don't know maybe it won't be published about in books uh i don't know what it'll be i don't know if people will be reading books maybe they'll all be e-copies by then but (laughs) yeah i totally agree with you but like i do i see the history of like you know bar magic in chicago and things that were going on in the 50s 60s 70s 80s and like i feel like this is we're we're living in it right now and Mm -hmm. we kind of sometimes don't realize it
0: right that's like the what's the forks hotel in buffalo i've heard there's a famous hotel where all these magicians would be uh and they um it just feels like that like we're in the it's hard to see the forest from the trees, but we're in the moment as it's happening and shaping. And like, this is like the most magic there's ever been in our yeah. lifetime. <laughs> well, sure. like, when I came to Vegas,
1: like there really was no such thing as doing a, a show of card tricks on stage. That wasn't a yeah. thing. Certainly yeah. not as an evening show, you know, you had Absolutely. Matt King of course, and others doing parlor magic and stuff, but like it wasn't now it's like totally
0: accepted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's, there's it's multiple. now it's, <laughs> What's that? There's multiple shows of card tricks on stage. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But like actually
1: yeah. many, like in, and Michael's, for example, mm-hmm. I, I'm just using card tricks as an example, yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's very much a, um, was doing a parlor type show, like parlor mm-hmm. magic, making it work in a theater, which there's no reason it shouldn't. Right. <laughs> I've yeah. been a proponent of that for a long time. You know, um, you just have to be able to make, you know, make it still have variety. You have to have big moments and small moments and, whatever you choose funny moments and sad mo- whatever you want it to be it just have to has, has a ra- take the audience through a range of emotions um but no longer does it have to be the days of an imitation of Siegfried and roy um and it's continuing to evolve from there and people are having their own way of doing it and uh it's kind of really cool and surreal but i really didn't realize it till joel said it and he's like yeah you He's like, you literally just saw Michael's show here tonight in the Penn and Teller room. Like, right. he's like, you performed your show last night, and blah blah blah. And I was thinking, oh yeah, and like you're seeing Harrison in this like new iteration of a Cirque show the next mm-hmm. night, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. it's it's such a weird, it's a weird
0: awesome time, is all I can yeah. say. Yeah, it's great. And
1: we all just survived a pandemic,
0: right? So it's all on the heels of that as well. Like <laughs> yeah, like
1: we literally are just like it's a triumphant moment, I guess. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. Yeah, and Lance Burton, you know, he's still doing his teen seminar. Mm-hmm. I never got to go to that when I was no. a teen, but it's actually happening right now, I think, in Atlanta. Oh.
0: There's so much magic conventions going on, too. I it's mean, the
1: IBM convention. That's where, where
0: it is. Yeah. You just reminded me. Yeah, yeah. It's the IBM convention. You just had Magic Live in Vegas. I was just at the meeting of the minds, which is the now, first time. Now, where did you have to go for that? Uh, that was not too far from New York, just up in White Plains, so about a 40-minute yeah. drive. So I was kind of commuting back and forth which was nice when, it, uh, as it was local. But uh, it was so nice. So this is for the Psychic Entertainers Association. So you have to be a member and you have to get approved through the application process to be part of, a, part of the, uh, the organization. Uh, but this was our, our annual meeting, which is one of the best benefits of being in there because it's all professional working mentalists and psychic entertainers. And uh, first time we got together in two years because we've been doing it virtually during the pandemic and it was a smaller gathering cuz uh you know people are still you know wary of traveling covid wise financially you know people took a hit during the pandemic of course uh but the intimacy of it also made it kind of special in a way cuz there was about like 30 or so working professionals and we're giving talks and lectures and the joke I always make is we all just think our lecture and everyone is like, Oh, good point. But <laughs> the, uh, but it turned into a discussion. Every lecture at the end just became a discussion where other people were chiming in and it felt like a real meeting of the minds in, in, in the right, like, right. in like the actual sense of the, the term. Um, so I had a, I had a lot of fun just seeing and, and mulling on new ideas and, uh, And uh, I'm looking forward to the next one uh, next year. I've
1: never been to something. I I don't recall being to something like that. So you said it was 30 people?
0: Yeah, it was like about 30 people. Yeah. So do you find that
1: like the lecture content is deeper than like, because when you go to a magic convention, a lot of times, I mean, there might be hundreds of magicians there, a (laughs) variety of different skill levels, right? So a lot of the lectures might be kind of, um, no, I don't want to say beginner based, but broad appeal. Whereas like this might delve a little bit more into heavier stuff.
0: Yeah, I I think um, there's definitely ways you can get more in detail in this capacity. And that's also why you have to apply to be a member. Like I see what you're saying. These magic conventions have to play broadly and get there's a lot of onboarding because like if you don't know a certain technique, we have to take the time. Teach that technique first so then they can get to the point they're trying to make. So everyone's on board. But there's an assumption of knowledge since you're already an applicant in the psychic entertainers association that we don't have to go through some of the basics. And then we can just start from a, a deeper level to begin with. Uh, so we, you know, we could talk about certain routines or techniques without going to the detail because we just assume everyone knows, but you know, we also aren't judging if someone doesn't happen to know that certain technique, you know, right. we'll stop and take the time to explain it. And you know, if they have any questions, well, well let's else. call it what it is
1: a lot of times at magic conventions there's always a percentage of the lectures that are essentially infomercials and honestly i'm sure. not even taking a dig there's nothing wrong with that sometimes <laughs> they're like they're very enjoyable for the audience uh because Dealers they're demos, a
0: trick right dealer demos as they call yeah them yeah
1: dealer yeah. demos they demonstrate yeah. a trick and it's usually colorful and fun they show you like kind of how it works <laughs> and they say here it is for sale for 25 bucks and then mm-hmm. they pitch the next one and right. like for someone who's, you know, going to a magic event, that oftentimes is actually a very enjoyable lecture. So there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. But this sounds like a different, you know, different vibe.
0: Yeah, this is going in depth on their certain topics, uh, you know, everyone presenting. And there's performances at night as well, which is always fun. Uh, always tricky when you have just mentalists performing to you know vary up the type of material you can do. But everyone's mm-hmm. persona is so different and seeing people do different takes on, you know, different material is always great to see. So um, yeah.
1: I I've got a little bit of a book recommendation here in the oh, mentalist realm. Let's hear I don't it. know if you've if you're familiar with it already, but like so Larry Haas, um Basically worked on this project for ten years for Eugene's Ber- Eugene Berger's books to be released after he passed. Do you have either of those two books?
0: I do not actually. Uh, sad to say, but it's on the list to get for sure. Oh my god!
1: I was pretty blown away. Yeah. Yeah, I finally was able to delve into a book called Final Secrets, and um, there are some video companions, just a few that kind of go with it too. And like, I was like utterly fooled at points. Mm. <laughs> And uh, really, like, interesting psychological concepts that, um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to appreciate uh, when I was younger. So I was just, like, happy to be exploring it now. And I I was pretty blown away, and Larry did a great job in putting together sort of the history of how these routines came to be, how they evolved. There's, like, some Max Maven stuff in there because Max and Eugene were so close. And then Eugene would take some of Max's routines and personalize them and kind of um, bring them to a new place, and, and the history in there is interesting too. So uh, I do recommend the um, the books that were to be released after Eugene passed. One of them's called From Beyond, and the other one's called Final Secrets.
0: Right, and Eugene was known for doing more kind of bizarre magic, as they say. So it kind of has like this weird, spooky element to a lot of them, which uh, overlaps certainly with a lot of the mentalism world because there are bizarre performers and readers and so forth as well. Uh, So just to give our listeners context, if they don't happen to know who Eugene Berger is.
1: Yeah. um, I wasn't expecting final secrets to be all card stuff.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Um, From beyond is not, but the the Mm. final secrets is, and uh, it's not, it's not in the bizarre realm. It's, it's It's got quite a range, and, and honestly, there are some close-up things in there that I have ideas for to make them really huge for stage.
0: Oh, fantastic. Really, really
1: fun stuff, but anyway. Um, and, just... and
0: how appropriate calling it From Beyond, where it's literally, like, From Beyond, you know?
1: And Final Secrets, <laughs> yeah, final absolutely, secrets. like, wow. literally, these are final, but... Uh, it fits yeah.
0: his vibe completely, for sure. Yeah, <laughs>
1: so... Anyway, there,
0: there was a topic I want to get into this a little bit. Uh, I don't think I'm talking out of school because everything in these meeting of the minds is very closed door. But this is a, uh, it a it was a topic about presentation and that applies to not mentalists but all magic workers as well. Um, that uh, was a gripe of one performer. I'm going to leave the performer's name out just not because in case he doesn't want me saying this. But he was just, fair enough. He was watching some magic shows uh, and he does a bunch of variety shows around the country. And this problem kept coming up, or he saw it as a problem, and I agree, is there's a there's a knack for performers to kind of shit on magic in a way in their presentation or 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 lower the value of the art. So an example uh, you might be giving is like, oh, I took all this time to learn the shuffle. Uh, you know this, or they do a fancy flourish or whatever be like yeah I had I had no time in high school or like this is like dumb or like they mention something about magic that lowers the esteem of it and they're for doing a laugh, it for, for, a for, laugh. for a laugh right yeah. do you know what I'm talking about that kind of I idea. think I do so it's this self-deprecating way of treating the art but The art is the art so they're saying like by doing that you're lowering the value of what people came to pay to see like they came to see a magician and they want their value really um, you know uh, they don't want to feel like an idiot for being like why am I wasting a guy that's just saying like oh this this is all dumb that you're watching you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. so a neat distinction because uh he was talking about self-deprecating i was like i do a lot of self-deprecating humor in my show as well but that's all personality driven about my character and who Mm. i am and what the audience is getting from my character but i there is a clear distinction that i'm never making fun of the things i'm doing i'm still treating the things i'm doing with respect and um and like even just think of like your bookers like if you they if someone hires you and then sees you like oh this is a dumb technique i learned like because I, you know, didn't have a girlfriend or whatever growing up. Then they're right. like, why did why did I spend the money to buy that guy? So I'm just I'm trying to amplify that message that this performer brought up at the Meeting of the Minds on this podcast. And to any performers, be like, think about what you're saying and what that reflects on how you're approaching the art.
1: It couldn't be more appropriate that you mentioned this right after I was talking about the Eugene books, because one of my main takeaways was. Uh, One of his main ideas: What Eugene always wanted to um, give the magic a sense of being special and important, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and of value. And you know, he always said things like, and I'm I'm paraphrasing completely, but you know, you can only uh, you can't expect them to value it if you don't value it yourself. And um, people will only think you are as special as you make them feel. I think was Mm. an act that might have actually been a a quote, Um, but. It's so true, and it speaks to exactly what you're saying. But I have a question. Yeah, what exactly was the person's gripe? Which side of the fence were they on?
0: They were upset watching a performer kind of devalue magic with their self-deprecating oh joke. Well, so Where do you on, land on that? Then there, I'm I I agree, and that, but that's okay. why through the distinction, I go self-deprecating can work personality but not to affect what you're doing on stage
1: but you bring it up as if this person brought it up and like it was controversial and other people disagreed or what was the no no it was just
0: it was just to uh to kind of highlight this thing that seems to be a common trope uh especially in quote comedy magicians That are just, you know, trying to get a laugh because they're saying like, oh, this is, you know, look at this dumb shuffle I learned or whatever. It's like, no, you spent the time. There's a way to reframe it uh, that because they like, yeah, I spent all this time and this is why it's so special that I'm showing you this one unique thing I've devoted my life to like that's well, more power than i wasted all this time learning this you know well
1: here here we go here, here we go here's my favorite thing to do let's draw parallels now to other art forms right mm. so do you ever see examples of people devaluing what they do in music can you think of one
0: mm, off the top of my head no
1: <laughs> my immediate answer is no
0: yeah exactly that's like
1: my my gut and there have to be some exceptions to the mm-hmm. rule or ways you can be like oh well you know, when so-and-so smashes their guitar, they're devalue. you know, you could make arguments. But right. I don't really think so. I feel like, it, for the most part, it's treated with, like, respect. And even stand-up mm-hmm. comedy, I can think of examples where you'll see, like, a stand-up talk about their job being like, yeah, I come up here and just talk about whatever I want. You know, they there are some, there's a little bit of that, but at the same time, everyone watching it still knows that they can't do it.
0: Yeah, and there's also everyone knows the comedians that take pride and show the work that they've put in and you know you know getting up on stage even if they're just working it out like they're still taking uh, they're still respecting the craft of it
1: not all laughs are good laughs was another famous quote of Eugene's
0: Mm -hmm. so
1: like maybe maybe that laugh that you're getting is is not a good laugh if you're saying this or that and people are laughing they're not really laughing for the right reason it's uncomfortable because they're like oh yeah why did i come to this show why did i write this yeah
0: (laughs) and and sometimes people are laughing like you're saying because they're uncomfortable or they just want them to move on to the next thing or like they're doing some sort of acknowledgement but those real laughs are what you should be striving for. And I think there is just a, you know, a lesson to be learned of this is like, yeah, treat what we do with respect. And then the audience is going to know because we're teaching them basically how to react and mm-hmm. to how to value magic. So if every, you know, magician is making a joke about, you know, the level of skill or how much time they took, then they're like, oh, the audience is going to think it's a joke, too.
1: Um, I can think of one example in music where it's sort of not given the appreciation it deserves. Okay. What's that? But it's not in, it's, 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 um, it's a different scenario. It's like ambient music when someone's playing piano and everyone's just talking over it in a cocktail bar.
0: Sure. Like background.
1: Yeah. It's implied sort of that that's
0: not important, you know? Right. Just in the nature of it. But you don't think that the, the artist actually performing that background piano music spent the time and they're still respecting that you know they want to sound good and make good music for those who are
1: listening that's a distinction absolutely that seems like the the
0: booker is treating it with less respect (laughs) than the artist is right right and even (laughs) the attendees yeah yeah exactly exactly
1: actually there's like a whole funny thing on that in curb your enthusiasm where like larry is i think dating uh, a girl who is a pianist and he goes to see her perform, but it's in like an ambient environment. So he's trying to shush everybody. He just mm. can't believe that everybody's talking over the performance. Yeah. <laughs> That's <great. laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, right in line with that. But anyway, so yeah, the interesting lesson stuff.
0: Is treat what you do with respect. Even if Absolutely. the jokes are at your own personal expense, don't respect what you're doing and the audience will follow suit. Mm-hmm. Speaking of respecting what we're doing, um, before we get into our riddles here, Matt, I want to reach uh, into our, our corrections bag, our corrections section, because uh, I respect our podcast. And uh, <laughs> for, for this is from two weeks ago now, uh, but uh, just a couple updates and corrections here. Uh, you brought up the, the question, um, how many plays did Shakespeare write, but you never gave an answer. So I know I don't want to leave people hanging. Wait,
1: why didn't I give the answer?
0: Because you were like, that's a trivia I would have asked. And then we never got to the answer.
1: Whoa, okay. That's weird.
0: I know. Okay. So uh, according to some people, it's 37. Some people, it's 38. So I'm just going to leave at that. We're going to move on. Fair uh, enough. The uh, the term I was looking for, for helping to solve self-reflecting quizzes and riddles uh, from, again, two episodes are called Markov Chains. N-A-R-K-O-V, okay. so you can do a Wikipedia search on that if you want to learn more. And then the uh, AGT French magician who performed with the screens on the close-up pad, uh, his name is Nicholas Ribs.
1: Hey, you hadn't seen that yet, right, at the time we talked about it, or did
0: you? I hadn't seen it, Matt, and it's on my gonna goal. You're going to tell me you still haven't seen it's it. It's on my goal from last week to see oh, the no. AGT magic. Oh, I no. I haven't okay. caught up on any of my AGT magic. Well, maybe that'll enough. be a We're bonus. still learning. Yeah.
1: We're still figuring <laughs> things out.
0: Well, what we haven't, uh, what we have mastered is how to get into, as I flub over that transition, (laughs) is the diddle me this. Diddle me this. Diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! All right, Matt, a girl was 10 on her last birthday and will be 12 on her next birthday. How is this possible?
1: A girl was 10 on her last birthday, but will be 12 on her next birthday?
0: How is this possible? Yes.
1: It was like a leap year. Mm. So it was on the 10th one time, and then the next year, instead of being the 11th, it was on the 12th. Well,
0: that's not technically her birthday then. Leap birthdays are things, but the, you know it's always February 29th is the day. So that's every four years. So read it again. Um, A girl was 10 on her last birthday And will be 12 on her next birthday How is this possible?
1: Oh, I got it I got it You got it? Yeah I'm just going to reveal it right now Sure So pause it if you don't know the answer And you want to think about it You hit that pause button And we're back Uh, The answer is This is all taking place on her 11th birthday
0: That is it Today is her birthday (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was a fun one That is an awesome one I love yeah, that one yeah. Cool, let's jump into trivia Matt picks up the question Then he stares at it Eric's at the ready Time to use his wit Pressure, pressure, pressure Trivia, pressure, trivia And before you get into this, a quick shout out to my brother for those jingles. We haven't given him a shout out in a while. And since we've been off for two weeks and we had to recap the whole show for our listeners, we might as well give a shout out to my brother, Mark Dittleman. Thank you for that. Mark
1: Dittleman on the music. Thank you for that. It has been a while. You're right. Yeah. Um, How many spaces are on a standard Monopoly board?
0: Monopoly board. Oh, wow. Uh, I have to think about this. I'll think about it out loud. So you get the four corners. I'm going to start with go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I could name, I can't name all of them, but I I know there's at least like the two purples with one something in between. Then you get a railroad in there. One, two, three, four. Then there's like usually a group of uh, three with like a community chest. So that's four as well. So eight. So I'm going to say nine. And then, uh, so that's a corner with eight spots times four. So four times nine is 36. My answer is 36.
1: Okay. I have four choices and 36 (laughs) is not one of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you like Mm. my math though?
1: (laughs) Uh, it was like a really interesting way of thinking about it, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Different than my approach So oh, anyway uh, I'll get more into that after You know we do what the There's
0: probably more of those weird Like community chest things Like Still really class. interesting approach But anyway <laughs> Okay uh,
1: How many spaces are on a standard Monopoly board The choices are 20 mm-hmm. 80 60 40
0: Well 40 is the closest to what I came up with So maybe there's 10 on each side Times 4 Let's go 40 That's my guess Is that right? (laughs) So So that is correct. I was just missing one of those spaces per side, essentially.
1: Right. Now, when I first read this question, I was like, who the heck would know the answer to this? And I was thinking, oh, if I ask him this, he's going to say he's bad at estimating. Here we go. (laughs) Then I realized it's not an estimation. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that when you roll a 10 or whatever, you go from like start to the the oh, right. other corner or to yeah, jail yeah, so yeah. it's actually a really easy question once you make that connect those dots
0: i haven't played monopoly in forever and i forgot 10 gets right just to the but like the if you don't think of side. that it seems yeah. impossible
1: yeah and yeah. you actually got really close considering you literally just tried to like figure out what all the, you know, properties were. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: like <laughs> <laughs> Baltic and uh, yeah, we got Madison Bl- square, whatever they're called. Community chest. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Railroad. So now, anyway, yeah, but I- thing, you know, if you're on the corner and you roll a 10, boom, go to jail, you
0: know, is it technically 41 because the jail has the jail section and the, visitor section you
1: mean just visiting that's true if you roll a 10 and land on it you're not in jail right you're just visiting
0: is that a separate space technically no no (laughs) it is not it's all part of the same square so anyway Um, great session there yeah um uh let's catch you up with what i've been up to the rest of july and again this july is so crazy for me um i went to vermont friend's wedding the I mean it was a good time we don't have to get into details of my personal life there but (laughs) (laughs) I will say my the story my favorite story from this was on my trip up to Vermont Uh, it took me I was just following my GPS it took me on the the New York side uh, of the lake Uh, Mm -hmm. and apparently at some point all my other friends you know cut across into the Vermont side so at one point my GPS literally just says turn into the lake (laughs) And I'm like, what is happening? Right. And I find out there's this ferry, and I'm just calling up my friend. I was like, do I have to take a ferry across the lake? Yeah, like, yeah. And it turns out I did, because if I didn't, I'd have to go all the way down around the lake again. And Lake Champlain is a very long lake. Uh, yeah. But boy, was this a ha- one of those happy accidents. I happened to catch the last ferry. And it was during sunset and it was one of the most beautiful experiences with this purple blue sky on a boat crossing Lake Champlain uh, with just a bunch of people who are, you know, parked their cars on the ferry and that we all got out to like watch the sunset and walk around. Yeah, it was so amazing. So if you want to see pictures, I think I posted some of those on my Instagram uh, for that. So that that's the Vermont trip and the wedding was a lot of fun. A well, let me and, let, rock and roll themed let wedding. Me, let, yeah. let me
1: paint a less beautiful picture for you. Oh,
0: do it. So this
1: happened the day we recorded last time, and I was just still so scarred I couldn't even bring it up on the podcast. Whoa,
0: you needed Ooh. two weeks. That's the real reason we weren't on last week is Matt <laughs> could not come to tell us whatever this is. <laughs> well, week.
1: yeah, no. So actually, this actually leads into something exciting too that I forgot to tell mm-hmm. you. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> I uh, I have one of those things called a Roomba.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little I don't, robot I, vacuums.
1: I'm against the Roomba. I don't think it does anything. Tiana wanted it, <laughs> you know, and I think it just pushes dirt around. Like, it, Even if it does vacuum stuff, think about how small the compartment is on that thing. Right. By the time it goes around in a circle, it's filled up, and it, I think it's just driving around the house, scaring the animals, right?
0: Have you so, personified your Roomba? Like, have I feel- done what? Personified it, like what does it, what, it feel like it, a, a person and no, like talk to I don't it? like
1: the Roomba. I don't want to personify it because I I don't want any more of a relationship with it than I already have.
0: You don't want a personified Roomba?
1: <laughs> no, to talk Especially to. Especially not now. To I mean, that? this personifies it a little bit. So, uh dog had uh an accident in the house. Number two, mm. Roomba ran it over. Oh no! And then dragged dog crap all over the house. <laughs>
0: Why do you Smear have to on, ruin my beautiful sunset imagery? Smear
1: it on <laughs> floors and walls and just, you know how when you vacuum, there's like a smell that goes into the air? Mm-hmm. You just smell like, oh, someone was vacuuming here. Now wow. now infuse that with dog crap.
0: Wow, Matt, you really brought this to a whole
1: different level. <laughs> well, we were. this ties back into what we were talking about. You want to give a range of emotions. <laughs> and as soon as you said sunset, I was like, I think I'm ready to share what happened with the Roomba.
0: I feel like this personified Roomba is like an evil Roomba then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in in brighter
1: news, so we were fostering a dog uh, Mm -hmm. like once a month. We have a big animal drive coming up, by the way. Let me explain this. So we do this every year where we have uh, a big thing with the Animal Foundation. This is is important. The, The Animal Foundation is like the biggest open admission shelter in Nevada. And... Uh, there are so many hundreds of animals that are abandoned, and or are, are, are some people uh, bring them in because they're surrendered for whatever reason. And the Animal Foundation takes in all of these animals and needs to shelter them until they can find homes for them. And we do a big supply drive every year where we allow people to make donations to mm. Petco and PetSmart, which go directly; those supplies go directly to. Um, the animal foundation and in return they get a, a free ticket to the show essentially for their for their donation oh, they cool. receive tickets to the show nice. i'll i'll explain more about that when we actually do it it starts uh, sure. next month but also one of the things we do is once a month animal foundation will bring like one of their pets uh, on a field trip to my theater and I'll take pictures with them and, and help them find a home, help them get adopted, uh, adopted by posting about it online. So Gecko, I don't remember if we talked about this or not. Gecko was a dog they brought to my theater. Oh,
0: fun. And
1: I grew an attachment to him immediately. Huh. So like a day or two later, we went to the Animal Foundation to
0: foster him Aww. and
1: brought him to our home. I didn't tell you any of
0: this. No, no. I think I saw the dog with Like a picture. Show, right. But I didn't know. Yeah yeah so gecko
1: is like then living in our house and like he just got along so amazingly well with our other three dogs uh that i said we can't adopt him out we have to adopt him ourselves so we now have four dogs i
0: was gonna say this seemed like a story that was gonna end with you having four dogs
1: yeah and and i will say it was not him who had the accident with the roomba okay
0: there you go good 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 i'm glad you uh validated your new dog or vindicated your new dog
1: yeah but we're so happy and excited and like he's awesome like he just he fits right in he's an old dog so like he's an old man and he just wants to like chill and hang out and live live his last years in peace i don't know how this was a stray dog like this was a dog that somebody found called animal control and got brought in but like he's so good and like was clearly at some point in his life well taken care of but we could not find whoever the owner once was um they're clearly not looking for him he made it on the news and everything wow you know when when i went and fostered him famous um, dog <laughs> what's that
0: a famous dog yeah seriously
1: <laughs> and like because they did a whole segment on like a fourth of july because so many dogs um get scared by fireworks and run mm-hmm. away and right. they did a big segment on that so he was kind of part of that and uh yeah so now he lives in my house and it's really cool he's the best he, well they're all the best but he's great
0: you have a zoo now, Matt. You're just yeah, living we're, in we're a developing
1: zoo. a small zoo. Um, I actually haven't like told people, I haven't posted about it on social media, this is an exclusive year, well, well, uh, yet, you go. That, that we're keeping them, So That's fantastic. Stop submitting your applications. <laughs> <laughs> no longer accepting. Absolutely. Literally, I never posted about it. After he came to the theater and once we fostered him, I was like, I'm not posting about it because I'm not sure I can get
0: rid of this dog. Aww. So here we are. <laughs> there you go. Uh, just uh, hit a couple topics before we wrap up. Um, I saw Randy Feltface. I talked about him on the podcast in the past, about his special I saw on YouTube, but I got to go and see him live. Uh, this is the puppet comedian that's Australian-based, uh, which I love is even live, you never get to see the performer. I still have no idea what the actual guy looks like. Just It's just Randy Feltface, the puppet, on a table. So the lights black out come on show starts he does his whole comedy hour which was fantastic uh and then lights black out again and he's gone so (laughs) that's the show and he was trying new material which I was thinking must be so crazy as a puppeteer to be like oh I not only have to tell the joke in the new bits but also have to figure out the motions of the puppet and everything lining up so I think it's just you get to a point where it's so seamless that just you're improvising with the puppet and you're doing all the, you know, the hand movements and the the mouth movements. Uh, The other thing I thought that was fascinating is the crowd work. I loved him doing crowd work and just chatting with people. And the, the best gag is since he's a puppet, he's just, he, he has to ask them. He goes, Am, am i looking at you and he like has to turn the head so the eyes are looking at the right person right 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 <laughs> and it's just so funny so I, I definitely recommend if you can catch randy feltface while he's on tour uh please do so he's very funny and uh if you can't check out some of his youtube clips uh like i said he's got his full fringe show on his youtube channel uh, which is uh you know where i kind of Found him and fell in love with that performer. So that was a lot of fun, and um, I went to a weird, bizarre, experimental thing. But we'll we'll get into that next week, Matt. <laughs> save it
1: for the save it for the bonus episode. You yeah, know?
0: yeah, absolutely. We have <laughs> some other, other topics we can dive into as well. But uh, it's uh, it's getting to that time when we should uh, ramp things up, Matt. Totally, totally. So um, let's I'm get right into our I think goals. That's a
1: perfect, perfect way to close it out here. Um,
0: well are we we still do goals that's still a thing well i mean we we list them we (laughs) list (laughs) that doesn't mean we've done them (laughs) oh man
1: i all right let me look here what was my goal um here yeah this is
0: this is your goal for last time carlin
1: documentary yeah did you do that Part two. I've only seen part one. I I, I haven't yeah. gotten a part two. Yeah.
0: Still 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 on that.
1: And uh, meditation. Back on the horse. I'm back on the horse. So that's the
0: more important one there. Mm-hmm. There you go. I uh, and goals for next time. <laughs> we're saying them as if we're gonna do them.
1: No, I don't want to give a goal for next time. I want to keep the Carlin documentary part <laughs> two as my ongoing goal, for the. L- 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 life of this podcast you know what this has become
0: (laughs) this has become cleaning your office oh i know i know i know (laughs) but now it's just a a, a, an hour and a half documentary you gotta watch What an easy goal, especially for
1: someone who's at home sick watching television. No, well, the thing is like Tiana wants to watch it with me. So we have to go. like find a time to watch it together, which is like difficult to do cuz I like to like uh, yeah, it's hard to f- watch TV at the same time.
0: All right, we're punt- punting goals again. <laughs> For next week. <laughs> well, I didn't do too much better, so I can't. Uh, I can't really uh, judge too hard because uh, I was tr- gonna catch up on AGT magic. Maybe we'll do a whole bonus episode of that. I did not watch anything. I will uh, plug. I, I don't know if I did it last time, but uh, I, but uh, the only AGT I watched is my uh, buddy, my former roommate, uh, comedian Chris. Yeah, James. you talked about that last yeah. time. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna keep uh, keep up with him. Hopefully, he pops up again uh as well so i'm gonna carry over agt magic and uh, my other goal is to continue to to survive the month and to continue to read i have been reading so that's good uh there's some new techniques i'm working on uh and then surviving the month it's it's a work in progress matt i'm already starting to feel it
1: while i was bedridden i actually was listening to a podcast yeah that i i love it's called pod meets world okay So, like, for anyone that's, like, around our age, like, maybe very, there's a good chance they may have grown up watching Boy Meets World.
0: Oh, that's what what that is. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's
1: actually, yeah, it's really cool because uh, that was kind of a really iconic show. Um, And what they're doing is they're watching all the episodes, not on the podcast. They watch them. So it's um, Mm -hmm. uh, Danielle Fishel, who played... Topanga, Ryder Strong, who played Sean Hunter, and uh, Will Friedle, who played Eric Matthews, the older brother. So it's the three of them. But they also bring on guests for, like, bonus episodes where they just do, like, more traditional interviews. So, like, Mr. Feeney, his name's Bill Daniels, an amazing actor, like, who did Knight Rider and St. Elsewhere and all these other things anyway. So they'll do, like, interview episodes like that. But Mm -hmm. what the main thing of the podcast is they'll watch an episode – And then they'll, and it's for them, it's for the most of them, it's their first time really seeing the episode, especially as adults. Right. Because they were kids, literally 12, when they recorded that first season. So they'll they'll watch the episode and then talk about it for an hour or so. And like their memories of it, what they do and don't remember. And like just a lot of behind the scenes on it. It's kind of a really, you know, it's a cool thing. And now they're not the first podcast to like go back and watch something and talk Mm -hmm. about it. But I, I really, it's
0: a cool thing. You know what? Was, so, we should have a new segment of just recommendations, maybe. But um, it did remind me, Matt, of uh, something in Carbonaro's show. Oh, yeah? And uh, that was uh, do you remember one of his uh, participants he brought up on stage? Was they, wearing a Cobra Kai shirt. They were wearing a Cobra Kai shirt. And I was like, yeah. how perfect that both you and I are in the audience watching the show and there's a Cobra Kai moment in it. <laughs>
1: Well, I couldn't help but wonder, honestly, if there was something there, if there was some reason for us to, to go back. Maybe there's a bonus episode where we watch our auditions and then, tell, oh, you know, yeah. give the behind the scenes oh, on those fun. and things like that, you know?
0: And uh, I know my audition is up on the video vault uh, mm-hmm. for our Patreon. We're going to get mm-hmm. yours up there at some point. I'm still adding those. Obviously, uh, it kind of uh, took a couple of weeks uh, just being busy on the road. So I haven't been able to add things, but we still have lots to add to our video vault. Oh, uh, my God. So on much. Yeah, Patreon. And if you want to be a Patreon and ha- get access to that video vault, you can visit patreon.com slash mind over magic podcast, as well as check out any of those other perks and rewards uh but while we're plugging things matt uh i've got a show coming up this comes out friday my show is saturday the 16th at the freeman arts pavilion in selbyville delaware there's two shows at 10 a.m and a 7 p.m and i believe it's free it's free so you just have to kind of register at the website tell them you're going and you get in uh so hopefully i'll see some people there and then if you happen to be um attending brown university in the fall (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to be doing I'm going to be doing their orientation session on Monday uh I guess that would be the 18th as well. So uh so a couple shows coming up and then I hit the road again uh and we'll have lots to talk about as well. Uh and of course you can always book me at ericdillman.com. Matt, where can people see you in your show?
1: Uh we are on sale now through January, beginning of January 2023 for Magic Reinvented nightly. Uh, The revamped version of the show. Come see it while you can because there are more enhancements on the way. And uh, to any performers listening to this, you know, keep rocking your shows. Go out there and kill it. Uh, Just not so much of a plug, but just a little bit of a motivation. There you go. Go out there and do your thing.
0: And uh, you can always visit us at mindovermagicpodcast.com. Shoot us an email if you have topics you want us to discuss or if you agree or disagree with some of our theories that we discuss and philosophies. Uh, we love to hear all thoughts on the art itself. You can visit, uh, email us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. And also, as we found out last week, the best way to find out about any updates about the podcast itself, if there's some sort of an interim where we couldn't make it or an episode that's going to be rebroadcast, uh, follow us on our socials at MindMagicPod, because then you'll get the up-to-date info on our podcast. And uh, we see a lot of people following those uh, accounts, so uh, we, we thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you being here. And we can, of course, do it without our producers. So, uh, on our Patreon, uh, that's patreon.com. For those of you who don't know how to spell it, by the way, P A T R E O N dot com slash mind over magic podcast. You can uh, join us at the highest tier there and you get a shout out as a producer. Uh, so, we want to thank our producers of this show uh, Dr. Bob Baker, James Dawson, and Jesse Miller. Thank you so much.
1: Special thanks for Alex on the website as well.
0: Thank you, Alex, as well. And um, that's going to do it, Matt. I would say this podcast is now over. Over.